Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Hey folks, today is Wednesday, September 9th, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Donald Trump knew that coronavirus was a major threat, but he downplayed it. Yes. You hear it in his own words, talking to journalist Bob Woodward for his new book. Those tapes have been released. We will play it for you. Nearly half a million children have been diagnosed with COVID-19. The numbers are growing. We'll talk with a pediatric specialist about that. Portsmouth, Virginia, city manager, black woman has resigned. The city attorney, who is black, has been fired on a vote along racial lines by the city council. We'll talk, with the, we'll talk with the vice mayor of that city council about what's going on in Portsmouth, Virginia. The Department of Homeland Security says that the most lethal threat to the United States is white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, for real. But a white nationalist in the White House doesn't really care. Yeah, folks, it just makes uh, no sense at all. Folks, we got a new round of anti-Trump ads for you. And look back at the best of Roland Martin Unfiltered. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. 
Coronavirus, our top story of the day. Half a million children in the United States have been diagnosed with COVID-19, folks. Uh, five, there have been 513,415 cases involving children. 70,630 new child cases were reported from August 20th to September 3rd. Children represent, folks, nearly 10% of all reported cases, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association. Again, those numbers, 70,630 new child cases. Now, within two weeks, child cases increased 16%. The total number of cases, again, 513,000. That's what the total number is. Now, of course, what is happening is kids are now also going back to school. That's one of the reasons why you don't see uh, folks in the classrooms because we still don't know what the impact is. And this is following, of course, numerous Republicans who say, oh, children don't get it. Donald Trump says they have the sniffles. No, children are dying from this as well. Joining us right now is Dr. Dan Fogbui, pediatric emergency medicine specialist. Doc, glad to have you uh, back on the show. Um, to listen, first of all, we're going to talk later about Donald Trump downplaying coronavirus. I'm going to get your thoughts on that as well. But the thing that jumps out here is that you, you've heard from him and others who say, oh, children, no big deal. It's the sniffles. It goes away in a day. No, we are seeing children die from coronavirus. That's correct, Sean. Thank you for having me again. Um, yeah, we've been seeing this case rise, uh, especially in the past four weeks in children. We've definitely seen that, and in college kids, um, just because the summer is uh, pretty much over and they're returning to school. There's been a lot of mixing, and we are also seeing this surge, especially in the Midwest states, um, uh, just an increase in the number of uh patients um, who have been seen in different hospitals who have been diagnosed with coronavirus. If you look at the total number in the United States, that means 10% of the uh, cases of COVID that we're seeing um, now in the whole states out of the uh, whole 6 million um, are accounting for children. So that's a big deal. Um, and so when you talk about this here, just like with, with we're seeing young folks dying of heart attacks because of the impact of COVID on the heart. We, we don't know how COVID is impacting different generations, whether it's children, whether it's teenagers, whether it's adults. That's why people keep yelling, you can't just go back to business as usual because folks like you don't know what this thing does. That is correct. Um, the point is, uh, as I've been saying all along, COVID is keeping us humble. Let's call it what it is. It's a disease, it's an infection that um, is scary. Um, it's not mean for us to panic, but it's for us to do the things we need to do, the hand washing, the social distancing, and trying to uh, make sure we're wearing our mask and doing all those things. But in addition, we have to have right leadership in place that actually cares about us and cares about the whole country as a whole, especially since it's affecting us and our community um, more uh, in a disproportionate um, rate than, than is going on. Yep. And the, with regards to the athletes and even the the kids who are playing different sports, the young adults who are getting it, they're actually getting a, a myocardial infection, basically our fancy term for it's affecting your heart, the heart muscle, the heart walls, and it's causing death in some uh, patients. And that's concerning. We don't know the real long-term effects of COVID. I've been saying this a lot. There have been many studies that have shown it's even affected their lungs that we don't even know, even though you're asymptomatic. When you do a random CT scan on those patients, you see some findings in the lungs, findings in the brain and other parts. So we're still learning. We don't know it all. We don't know it, and we need to call it what it is. We don't know. We're watching. So you don't want to get the disease if you can avoid it. 
Uh, is it is it from your perspective? Is it still smart not to have kids in school? That in order to practice safe distancing uh, and going to virtual school. So the key thing with regards to schools, I mean, education is important. The socialization is important. You have kids who have developmental disorders, autism, and other things where they need to socialize. The kids who depend on the school lunches, all the other things we've talked about, um, and the sentinel events that you pick up, be it child abuse and other things that teachers and all those pick up. But at what risk? So you have to weigh the risk-benefit ratio when you're making these determinations. But some of the key things that you have to make sure you're aware of is what's the positivity rate in my community, i.e., in where I live, what's the positivity rate? That's the rate of out of the number of tests that we do and everybody um, divide and take the number of positive tests and divide that number by that. So number of tests we did, that's the bottom number, and then the number of uh people who turn out positive and you divide those numbers, you get a positivity rate. It should be less than 5% in your area. Ideally, 1%. I mean, ideally, it should be 0%. But in those cases, that's when you can start to consider that. And then what other things do you have in place? The contact tracing, is it in place? Is your local health department involved in that whole process? Um, is your school involved with that process? Is everybody wearing a mask, all faculty and staff? And is there a notification system so we can talk to the parents and say, hey, you don't have to bring this patient, uh, person to school today or this adolescent doesn't need to come to um, classes today. You can do that at home. So it all depends on the whole community approach and everybody involved. So there are some balances. There are some places in schools that can open um, safely and there are some that can't. It's all dependent on the disease and the spread in that area and what things and policies you have in place, which is the key thing, the policies, what goes around that. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this uh, latest big story. Bob Woodward has a book on the Trump administration. Donald Trump gave 18 different interviews to Bob Woodward. And we now, of course, uh, have Trump saying that he purposely downplayed uh, the coronavirus because he did not want to cause a panic. Uh, I just got to get your thoughts on that. This was back in March when the interview took place. We were in uh -huh. the heat of coronavirus. Uh, and for him to, to say that, yeah, he was publicly downplaying it, even though it was a major deal, th that has to tick you off. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, went, I went ham on them on, uh, on Twitter earlier today, just going in. Facts. We've known this. We've kind of hypothesized this. You didn't kind of call it out. You're just saying, like, you got to understand, you had the experts around you, so they must have been advising you. And you actually, we find out that you had a call that gave you this information and it, you were downplaying it. That's one, irresponsible. It is basically a dereliction of duty. I said, uh, as a military uh, personnel, basically, you, you kind of just blown out the whole human rights thing. And then from a public health and public health security standpoint and national security standpoint, and that's my biodefense hat now, I'm getting on that. It's concerning. It's really just like you just basically left us hanging. That's what it comes out to. And you realize that there was a purpose and a goal for you uh, and selfish and letting the public um, basically be harmed. Uh, that can be considered uh, malpractice uh, if, if it were a doctor. If you're uh, somebody who um, basically owns a business, basically you have false advertising and you misled them wrong. And now you actually have death, bloodshed on your hands. That's the big deal. All right, then. Uh, Dr. Da Dr. Uh, Dan Faguigo, I sure appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. All right. My pleasure. 
All right, folks, we were talking again about uh, this uh, video that, uh, excuse me, the audio that dropped today uh, that has caused a lot of consternation. And so this is, is, this is the conversation that Donald Trump had with Bob Woodward of the Washington Post. Listen to this. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob. Just today and, and yesterday, some startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. people to plenty of young people. So give me a moment of talking to somebody, going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of uh, it caused a pivot in your mind because it's clear just from what's in on the public record that you went through a pivot on this to, oh my God, the gravity is uh, almost inexplicable and unexplainable. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you, sure, I want you to I be. wanted to, uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Okay, so you actually heard Donald Trump. Okay, so at the White House press briefing, was delayed for a bit because they had to figure out what they were going to say. And if you want to know how absolutely nuts these people are, listen to Kaylee McEnany, the press secretary, just lie to the American people. Um, how can the president bear no responsibility for the 200, almost 200,000 lives lost when he downplayed the virus initially and he knew that it, how contagious and deadly it was? I don't understand how that can... The president never downplayed the virus. Once again, the president expressed calm. Uh, the president was serious about this when Democrats were pursuing their sham impeachment. Uh, he was expressing calm and he was taking early action and his actions are reflective of how seriously he the, took the, COVID. The tact that he took, the language that he used, no, you, you said that he used hopeful language. Does, does he regret that given where we are now? No, this president embodied the American spirit that when we face a challenge, a crisis, a pandemic, uh, we come together, we can be optimistic, we can be serious about it, we can take it seriously with our actions, which is exactly what this president does. It's why we lead the world in testing. Did, did, did she just say Donald Trump did not downplay it? Okay, I'm going to go back to what Donald Trump said. Now, y'all, listen. There's audio. There's literally audio. Bob Woodward records his interviews. Kaylee McEnany says, Donald Trump did not downplay coronavirus. This is Trump downplaying it. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob. Just today and, and yesterday, some startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. young people to plenty of young people. So give me a moment of talking to somebody, going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of uh, it caused a pivot in your mind because it's clear just from what's in on the public record that you went through a pivot on this to, oh my God, the gravity is uh, almost inexplicable and unexplainable. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with sure, you. Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to, uh, 
I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. I always wanted to play it down. I am still playing it down. Because I did not want to create a panic. My pals, A. Scott Bolton, former chair, National Bar Association Political Action Committee, Robert Patillo, Executive Director, Rainbow Push Coalition, Peach, Peach Tree Street Project. Teresa Lundy, Principal Founder, TML Communications. Um, Teresa, so dude was lying. He was lying. He knew he was serious. He's saying one thing privately, another thing publicly. And all of these idiots who are following him were saying, and all these states who were not implementing the right strategy because he was downplaying it. And then for Kaylee McEnany to stand there and say, I wouldn't lie to you, and then actually lie, that's just beyond stupid. It's beyond it, um, Eric. It's like I can't think of the words outside of disgusting and dangerous of the two words that I can think of of what Donald Trump has done since this pandemic. Thousands of lives could have been changed if he did not downplay it, if he did not want to cause the panic. Right, because again, we haven't had a pandemic in 102 years since the Spanish flu. So there was, I mean, there obviously is a playbook of what could have been done, but I think the first and foremost thing that could have been done, especially with this this type of president, is tell the <clears throat> and to ensure that his staff was also telling the truth and not trying to make sure they have his back. Kelly, you know, I, I was impressed with her as a, a young woman, you know, in her 30s as the press secretary, but she's been willing to uh, really just lose herself in this entire process, right? There, there's one thing to be on the campaign, but then there's one to actually serve the White House and the American people, and she hasn't been doing that. So, and But that, that goes for a whole stem of his team, so I'm not sure what's happening in those back rooms where, you know, before they get to a press conference and before they are getting their daily briefings, it's how can we protect the president, but no one's protecting the American people. And that's why we have thousands of thousands of lives that are dying because of this misinformation. These folks are absolute liars, Robert. And for Trump defenders to say, oh no, he was protecting the people. He was looking out for the people. Didn't want there to be a panic. 200,000 people are now dead. You're absolutely correct, Roland. And think about what uh, when these first tapes took place. This was mid to early February. So this is before Donald Trump did his speech where he said uh, the the coverage of his response was a hoax. This was before Matt Gates sat on the floor of Congress with a gas mask on. Uh, this is before we went back and forth for three months over whether or not we should be taking hydroxychloroquine. Uh, this is before we were having a full-blown culture war with rifles and rocket launchers over wearing masks. Uh, Donald Trump knew in February and March that masks were effective and that it was airborne and just chose to say uh, downplay the need to wear masks and cause armed conflicts over wearing masks. Uh, think about the thousands and thousands of people who could have uh, had their lives saved, the thousands and thousands of people who, are, who would not be infected today if we had simply taken this seriously in February instead of <clears throat> finding out in, uh, in September what was the truth. And also for Bob Woodruff, Woodruff 
how do you sit on this information for six months? How do you, I understand you want to put it into a book, you want to compile the information, but this is vital national security and health information. How do you just sit on this for six months and only re uh, release it when it's time for your book to come out instead of letting the American people know months ago uh, information going to save uh, tens of thousands of lives? So this is just an all-around failure of our broken system. And unfortunately, Trump has become transveracity. He's past the point of anybody caring whether or not he's lying. People assume that he's lying and then continue on from there. This week, we're talking about did he lie about coronavirus and have it on tape. Last week, it was whether or not he called military families losers and suckers. The week before that, it was whether or not he was trying to defund the post office. The week before that, he tweeted about trying to move the election. We're doing the monster of the week thing from Power Rangers in the 90s, fighting each individualized battle instead of taking a cohesive uh, approach of just saying that this is a nation in chaos. This is what a failed state looks like. This is what late stage capitalism, as uh, Werner um, mm -hmm. uh, put it, uh, looks like, and that we are having our systems broken apart at the seams. And unless we are willing to make corrective action, it may do be too late to save what we have left. Mm -hmm. Hoax, yeah. this was one of the questions that was raised at the press briefing. Uh, of course, Kaylee, could not answer this one. Y'all, listen to this. Not lying. Why did he call it a hoax? Kaylee, if he's not lying, why did he call it a hoax? Of course, she wouldn't answer that one. Uh, Scott, he wouldn't answer that question. Uh, but it's legitimate. It's like he kept calling it a hoax. But she's saying, but he wasn't lying. Really? It's, it's like... You ever painted a floor or a wall and painted yourself into a corner where where you don't have a response or you can't get out without stepping on the paint? That's where Kaylee was today in that press conference. You know, uh, it, it is she's defending or trying to defend the indefensible. She has a boss that that lies with no conscience whatsoever. He has no conscience. He doesn't care. He knew he was being taped. He knew this book was coming out, and he still lied. So, and there are no repercussions. Robert and I were talking about this earlier. There are no repercussions, so he just keeps on lying about it. That's just really, really um, a, a very bad situation for our democracy. It really is. And, and the other thing you got to remember here is that that his lies, he was, it's worse than the taping, by the way. He was briefed in December by his intelligence people who said this was coming. He, he admitted that on tape. And he was asked about that, and that's when he went into how he played it down. But him playing it down costs lives. And so, it, it, but again, it doesn't matter to his, his GOP and that 40%. Democrats better come out in large numbers because uh, this, this president is probably the most dangerous president who's ever been in the White House. Bob Miles is here. His supporters, uh, Teresa, they don't give a damn. They, they, they don't care if he lies. They, yep, they, they're gonna, they don't. They, they're just going to sit here and just uh, vote for whatever. But the bottom line here is this here. Um, I would hope there are people who are independents. Uh, I, hope, I would hope there are pissed off Democrats who are going to turn out in large numbers because if you think that what this man has done so far is crazy, give his ass four more years. You know, I think people are actually waking up to what Donald Trump has been doing the last five years. And you know what? The the, the way Robert literally just did the week by week uh, 
uh, scenario that I feel like we're we're pretty much in a series with our president is, you know, I, I think people are really starting to understand why it's important to get to the polls. I don't even think we need to do any more media ad buys as it relates to getting to the polls. I think now it's just more about understanding um, what, you know, just what needs to happen. So, I mean, you know, um, there has been countless conversations, countless uh, meetings and, and conferences that have been just popping up where people are really getting engaged and saying, you know what, the last um, couple, uh, days, weeks of the election, they are trying to figure out what needs to be done. And so they're galvanizing, they're having conversations, <clears throat> setting up volunteer strategies. Um, I know uh, commissioner's office uh, across Pennsylvania are actually paying people to be poll workers, right? That is the first time that's actually been done outside of the party. But now the state is actually stepping in and saying, listen, we need more bodies at the polls. And so I, I think there's a lot of young people stepping up. I think there um, has been a lot of uh, change and movement. But again, Trump's administration has lost the message when Trump started, you know, all these revelations started to come to light. So, yeah. I, you know, it's a huge opportunity here. Yeah, but Roland, if I may, real quick, we, we've got three opponents as Democrats, right? You've got the GOP slash Donald Trump, you've got voter suppression, and you've got Russian interference that Democrats are running against. He underpolls in every poll, as we know. How do the Democrats defeat that? How do the Democrats defeat that? You got to turn folks out. Simple as that. That's what you got to do. Uh, I, I said this. I said this here. I tweeted this here, folks. Uh, Y'all be able to see my video. Let me know if you are okay. Uh, so I, I said I, after uh, the Bob Woodward thing came out. First thing I said is I said I wonder how fast the folks with the Lincoln Project are going to be able to uh, get an ad out. Uh, that was like the, one of the, just the first things that I said. And so mm -hmm. uh, I said, uh, and I think this thing, the tapes came out around 11 or so. And I said, um, I said, uh, I think they'll have an ad out by three o'clock. Actually, they're out before two o'clock. Uh, so th <laughs> this is what uh, they dropped that quick. This is more deadly. This is five per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. We show cases, 99% of which are totally harmless. Not just old, older. Yeah, exactly. People to plenty of young people. Young people are almost immune to this disease. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. We lose thousands and thousands of people a year to the flu. We don't turn the country off. I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Mm. Hmm. What this mm. what this does, Robert, um, Trump wanted desperately for the conversation to be about law and order. No, he did not want it to be about coronavirus. This brings it back to his Achilles heel. Yeah, of course, this is Achilles heel. And I, I think the strategy that we've seen the White House roll up today of saying it was just about trying to prevent a panic. 
I think that might be one of the dumbest talking points I've heard. And you can tell that this caught them completely off guard. Um, the idea of this president not wanting to incite panic when the entire Republican convention was a return to the American horror story, you know, MS-13 will be sent to the suburbs to destroy your communities mm -hmm. and rape your life. That, that is inciting panic. This idea of putting them across states on television uh, who tried to kill protesters, tweeting about Killer Kyle and Kenosha. Uh, that, is inciting, uh, that is inciting violence. That is inciting uh, discord. So this idea of wanting to keep a calm in the American people, this is almost like telling your wife that you only lied to her because you knew it would make her angry. That is the equivalent of what the White House is rolling out as their defense, that the president didn't want you to panic. That's why he lied to you about how deadly a virus was that's killed tens of thousands of, of, at this point, hundreds of thousands of Americans. We are 20% of the death toll of the entire Earth. And we are not 20% of the world population. So this idea that he wrote out his press conference today saying, well, we did a great mm -hmm. job because millions would have died without what we did, and I only mm -hmm. lied to you to keep you calm, I, I think that is a point that Democrats have to hop <clears> on, <throat> not just the Lincoln Project, not just us, um, not just Republican groups, not just the media. The Democratic Party has to have a way to articulate a message and turn it around quickly and use that to motivate voters. If you can link the fact that we've been in quarantine for six months to the fact that the president lied to us the first month when he could have got, um, got in the hole. And that people died. That is how you get people motivated. But simply turning this into just the latest in a week-by-week uh, week week scandal is how you lose, lose the messaging war. Think about the fact that President Trump got impeached earlier this year. We don't even talk about that in the election season. He is that able to change the conversation. So if the Democrats don't hop on this like a starving dog on a bone, then, they, uh, then you're going to end up losing this week of messaging. Folks, and the folks with the Midas touch also dropped their ad. Watch this. Trump pretended the coronavirus wouldn't come to our shores. I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. The risk to the American people remains very low. He pretended the Democrats were overreacting. And this is their new hope. He pretended it would go away. A lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat. And then he pretended again. It's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. View this the same as the flu. And again. At some point, uh, that's going to sort of just disappear. And again. It's going away now. It'll go away. While Trump pretended, Americans face real consequences. Nearly 200,000 dead and rising. Businesses closed. And now, as over a thousand Americans die each day, what's the Trump administration's plan? Pretend that the pandemic is over. In a time of crisis, Americans can't afford to have a pretend president. I wanted to always play it down. Midas Touch is responsible for the content of this advertising. I think you're going to see the hammer constantly, um, 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 uh, Teresa. And the other piece is here. Joe Biden is already out. He's speaking in Michigan. He spoke out on this as well. I mean, this is the defining issue of this campaign, uh, and it has a direct impact on turnout as well. Uh, and so uh, I don't think you're going to see it in, reflected in polling for another three to four days. But uh, I, again, the fact that if Democrats hammer this constantly, this is going to help them. This is an, a phenomenal gift to the Democratic Party. I think, you know, when Donald Trump began to show who he was from the beginning, if we remember from uh, the beginning of his campaign days to how he was, they were trying to get him to transform while he was president, it just didn't work. The real Donald Trump coming down the escalator of his building, showed up 
um, in the beginning stages, right? And so, and I think it's coming to the forefront where everybody is starting to honestly get their talking points together. But honestly, it's like, does this make sense to you, right? So it's not as much as a, of a <laughs> that the Democrats have to put out, like, hey, he did this, he did this. You can literally have a workbook, a workbook, um, unfortunate on about why Donald Trump lies to the American people and we that you know the Republicans continuously have his back. It's getting so bad that the Republicans are literally on um, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and they really can't explain some of the things that he he, he does. So if you see most of them, they actually stop having the interviews unless it's talking about their bill. Because it's, it's hard to defend someone where you really just don't understand it or keeping you out the loop. Donald Trump has proven to him, his team, and, and the American people that he doesn't care about lying, doesn't care about the lives that were lost, he doesn't care about the family, the testimonials, the police brutality. He went to Wisconsin and gave, you know, um, uh, some mayors $1 million for their police department, but said nothing to Jacob Blake's family. I mean, if we we don't have a president that is for us, and I think Democrats need to make that very clear um, on election day, but, you know, more so in their everyday conversations, yep. he absolutely should be having these dialogues about what the next president of the United States looks like. And if we're not only talking about Joe Biden, we absolutely have to talk about Senator Kamala Harris. And of course, this is Joe Biden speaking today in Michigan, touting uh, the Obama administration saving the auto industry. And he did weigh in on this subject. On the day that we hit 190,000 dead in the United States because of COVID-19, we just learned from the Washington Post columnist Bob Woodward that the President of the United States has admitted on tape in February he knew about COVID-19 that had passed through the air. He knew how deadly it was. It was much more deadly than the flu. He knew and purposely played it down. Worse, he lied to the American people. He knowingly and willingly lied about the threat it posed to the country for months. He had the information. He knew how dangerous it was. And while this deadly disease ripped through our nation, he failed to do his job on purpose. It was a life and death betrayal of the American people. Experts say that if he had acted just, just one week sooner, 36,000 people would have been saved. If he acted two weeks sooner, back in March, 54,000 lives would have been spared in March and April alone. You know, his failure has not only cost lives, it sent our economy in a tailspin. It cost millions more in American livelihoods. This is a recession created by Donald Trump's negligence, and he is unfit for this job as a consequence of it. How many schools aren't open right now? How many kids are starting the new school year the same way they ended the last one, at home? How many parents feel abandoned and overwhelmed? How many frontline workers are exhausted and pushed to their limits? And how many families are missing loved ones at their dinner table tonight because of his failures? It's beyond despicable. It's a uh, dereliction of duty. It's a disgrace. Well, that's how you um, come out swinging. Scott Bolden, <laughs> final comment. Yeah, you know, uh, let's not forget about the impact of his lies on this economy. 
14 million people unemployed, uh, businesses shut down that may never come back, the impact on small businesses and a, a, a economic depression, all caused by him playing down or calling this a hoax. You know, when I first heard the tape, um, I thought about what Donald Trump said. He said, I could shoot somebody on New York Avenue or Fifth Avenue and they still support me. But we're going to see whether they still support him uh, with, a, with a hand in over 200,000 deaths because of his lies to the American people. I hope Democrats and good Republicans and independents make him dead wrong about this one, because this one has not only had a devastating impact on the economy, but on family members and the lives of those who have lost uh, due to COVID-19. This is, this is just really, really bad, really bad. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about the drama in Portsmouth, Virginia. Black city manager has quit. The black city attorney has been fired. This is after the black police chief, after she also was benched. Then after she had 19 black public officials in Portsmouth arrested for trying to attack a statue. What the hell's happening between black people and white people in Portsmouth, Virginia? We'll break it down next to Roller Martin Unfiltered. Hey, this is Magic Man. You got one vote, use it. Hey, everybody, this is your man, Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered. Hi, this is Essence Atkins, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Hey, yo, Peace World, what's going on? It's the Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Hi, my name is Brisha Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Ow. Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really? It's Roland Martin. our community comes together to support the fight against racial injustice, I want to take a second to talk about one thing we can do to ensure our voices are heard. Not tomorrow, but now. Have your voices heard in terms of what kind of future we want by taking the 2020 census today at 2020census.gov? Now, folks, let me help you out. The census is a count of everyone living in the country. It happens once every 10 years. It is mandated by the U.S. Constitution. The thing that's important is that the census informs funding, billions of dollars, how they are spent in our communities every single year. I grew up in Clinton Park in Houston, Texas, and we wanted, to, we wanted new parks and roads and a senior citizen center. Well, the census helps inform all of that and where funding goes. It also determines how many seats your state will get in the U.S. House of Representatives. Young black men and young children of color are historically undercounted which means a potential loss of funding of services that helps our community. Folks, we have the power to change that. We have the power to help determine where hundreds of billions in federal funding go each year for the next 10 years. Funding that can impact our community, our neighborhoods, and our families and friends. Folks, responses are 100% confidential and can't be shared with your landlord, law enforcement, or any government agency. So please take the 2020 census today. Shape your future. Start at 2020census.gov.
All right, folks, so we have been telling y'all about this drama in Portsmouth, Virginia, okay? So check this out. The city manager, African-American woman, she resigned yesterday, just hours before council members held a special meeting to discuss her performance. Lydia Pettis, Patton, Lydia Pettis Patton's brief resignation letter gave no reason but its contents, uh, but the timing and the simultaneous firing of city attorney Solomon Ashby suggests that she believed the council might fire her if she didn't resign. Now, of course, you gotta remember, this is all after, this is all after uh, the police chief um, was removed. Then, of course, she allowed cops to charge 19 public officials and uh, prominent African-Americans for damaging a monument. It's, and then they're also trying to get the black district attorney off of the case as well. And one of the people who they also been going after is my next guest, the Portsmouth Vice Mayor Lisa Lucas Burke. So what so what the hell? Was this vote was on racial lines where the white council members voted, uh, were going to uh, vote to oust the city manager and the black people were gonna stand with her. What what in the world is going on in Portsmouth, Virginia? It is crazy going on in Portsmouth, Virginia, and it was a vote that went strictly down racial lines, four white and three blacks. Um, so they um, had alluded to that they were going to go in and try to fire the city manager because, of course, we know that she placed um, the chief of police on in an administrative leave. And uh, there was a community, certain parts of the community were not happy with that. And they held rallies and they held um, phone talks and, and Facebook messages and all kind of social media on um, reinstating that chief of police. Um, and it didn't happen. Of course, it, um, the, the suspension happened on last Friday, right over the Labor Day weekend. So they had the long weekend to think about or strategize what they were going to do. Um, so there was social media um, information that was being spread that um, possibly the city manager and the city attorney would be fired. And so um, we didn't know um, if they would have the means to do that or if, if it would be carried through because uh, we know that any interference with uh, city managers, uh, appointees or subordinate staff could be um, person could be charged for a misdemeanor, a class three misdemeanor for interfering. That's part of the, the age old code, uh, part of the charter that city of Portsmouth has since 1970, which has never been, um, anybody has been upheld by that. Um, I was recently um, served with a warrant for um, class three misdemeanor for that same thing as well. So we didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, so on Sunday night, we uh, actually Monday night, we received information that um, there was gonna be a special call meeting on Tuesday. Um, and of course, our regular city- So all of a sudden, out of the blue, all out of the blue, out of the blue, let's have an evaluation of the city manager. I mean, normally, look, I've covered, I've covered, city, yeah. I've covered city government, county government, Normally, there's an actual process there. Council members are all aware about this thing, and then all of a sudden, they actually have a formal review. Just all, so Friday, ministry leave for the chief. Next thing you know, boom, uh, we're gonna uh, evaluate the city manager. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and keep in mind that all of these people are African American. 
in, in, in a city where we have a majority African-American population. So it, it, it is alarming. Um, the community is upset about what's being, um, how this happened, how it all rolled down. Um, because we weren't expecting this. We were not expecting that um, the city manager would choose to resign um, after this because um, she had already given her letter of retirement, which was supposed to be effective December 31st of this year. So give or take, you know, uh, four months for her to go. We're in the middle of a national search uh, where we're trying to bring on a new city manager um, to take on uh, the duties of the city manager. And we had hoped that, that there will be some continuity where our current, well, our former city manager, Dr. Patton, would, you know, sit with the new city manager in coming to kind of lay out the, the rules of the law of how city government is done here in the city of Portsmouth. But now we don't have that process. Uh, we've appointed an interim uh, city manager and there's word in social media that there's pressure being put on him now um, to reinstate that chief of police. Is that, so, is that you know, interim city manager black? That city manager is also black. So, yeah. so what's really happening here? Is this a question where white folks in Portsmouth, Portsmouth simply cannot handle the increase of black political power in the city? You said it. You have definitely bought it on. And there have been an increase. There are more African-Americans who are running for office and winning in their districts. And they're being respected by their community because they are voicing the concerns of the community. And they don't like that this world is changing. And all of this is over an age-old 250-plus-year monument, piece of stone that should have been gone a long time ago. All right, Portsmouth Vice Mayor Lisa Lucas-Burke. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, good luck there, and uh, we'll keep following all the tops and turvy things that happen there uh, in your city. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care. All right, folks, uh, let's talk about white supremacy. White supremacists will remain the most persistent and, and lethal threat in the United States through 2021, according to the Department of Homeland Security draft documents. The most recent draft report predicts an elevated threat environment at least through early next year, and concludes that some U.S.-based violent extremists have capitalized on increased social and political tensions in 2020. This assessment is especially interesting since Donald Trump has often employed race-baiting tactics in his race for re-election and has openly embraced white supremacists during his term in office. Now, you also must keep in mind that Donald Trump has refused, has refused to condemn 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse of Illinois, who took his AR-15, crossed state lines, and then went into Kenosha, Wisconsin, and killed two people. Keep in mind, Donald Trump Jr. tweeted, you know what, a lot of us do things we regret when we were 17. Like kill two people. Also keep in mind that when Donald Trump became president, they tried, they stripped, tried to strip the funds from the Department of Justice to combat white domestic terrorism and target Muslims. The reality is, and I keep saying this, and mainstream media is finally waking up, this is a president who wants to appeal to white 
racist. It is his base and they know it. And that's Robert, why they are doing this dance. It's clear, it's no shock to any of us. And that's what they are all about. So when you look at these judges, they're, they're ramming through more judges. When you look at all of his talk about suburban America, Donald Trump is appealing to whiteness to win. This is this basically reminds me of Herbert Hoover and the Lily White uh, faction of the Republican Party uh, when he became president. Robert. Yeah, look, I, I think President Trump has never made any uh, any lies or any illusions about who he is or what he does or what he's representing. Uh, the entirety of the convention, let's understand, when they say Western civilization, uh, he's the last line of defense against West, for Western civilization, he's not talking about the Iroquois, he's not talking about the Sioux Nation, he's not talking about the, the Igbo or the Fulani or anybody who's west of Europe, He's talk, they're talking about Western Europe, uh, Europe, defending that. When they talk about defending the suburbs, they're not talking about black folks in the suburbs. They're not talking about the Inkwell or DeKalb County or Prince George's County, anything along those lines. They're talking about, uh, as Gil Scott Heron said, or, or as they said, Chocolate City and its vanilla suburbs from Parliament. So what Trump is making sure that people understand is that he is going to be that last line of defense for whiteness. That when, if you're the McCloskeys and you are breaking the law, committing a felony by brandishing firearms at people, then they will guarantee you a pardon. The governor of the state will come out and say, I will pardon you for whatever you do, regardless of if you, if you get convicted. If Killer Kyle's out here murdering people, they make sure that they raise millions of dollars and they tweet support for him. Because when mm. they talk about law and order, they're talking about their law and their order, not, not the other way around. Remember when the the Bundy Ranch people uh, took over a federal uh, took over federal property? Uh, at that point in time, they never had any issue with these armed militias taking over governmental property. When it happens in Portland and it's, uh, uh, leftist people, people who are protesting against criminal or for criminal justice reform, they send in the National Guard. So they're making it very clear that if reelected. He, he is saying that he will stop the social justice activities, he will stop the marches, he will talk, stop the protests, and he will do so by any means necessary. <clears throat> and to, uh, as, my, as they say, if somebody tells you who they are, believe them the first time. So when he, is, he tries to invoke the Insurrection Act of 1807, he is letting you know that he plans on coming down with the, the, the hammer of Thor uh, if he is reelected. I think people should take this more seriously and not get caught up in the daily minutiae of Trumpness, but realize that we have some very serious generational right. issues that have to get worked out. Teresa, these are people who are well-armed. These are people who have significant artillery and you saw with Kyle Rittenhouse, they will use it against other Americans. And so he is playing right into their hands of we're losing our country, where whiteness reigns supreme. Yeah, and that is the most uh, harsh feeling <clears throat> that I believe black Americans, minorities, um, that we all feel, people of color. Because, you know, I, you know, I, Rob, I'm just like, in my head, I'm just like, hallelujah, like somebody said it. Like, part of it is when we talk about the NRA, um, you know, and we all know what their goals are. Um, but yes, we, I still believe in the Second Amendment, but I do believe that, you know, when it's up to African Americans and people of color to actually arm themselves for protection, we're always the one that's getting the highest sentences, right? We're the ones, you know, they're going to the courtroom first. 
And so, you know, the, I, I always have a problem with this whole law and order piece because, as Rob indicated earlier, it is not um, law and order was not destined for us, right? It was, it was. We are a part of. Um, that it was era. for us. We, it was okay. for us. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it's for us in the sense that it, it is exactly <laughs> control us, right? But it, it's not for everyone at a whole. And and I think people are starting to really understand what the logic was around this. And I think they're starting to actually um, locally do things in order to, to protect people of color. But again, <clears throat> we got to start with this year and, and start getting a new uh, type of um, election. Uh, and what you're dealing with, uh, Scott, real simple, this Department of Justice will not be protecting citizens. Bill Barr's whole job is to protect Donald Trump, period. Oh, Donald Trump is acting as if the Department of Justice is his personal attorneys. Oh, he's finally gotten his personal attorneys. But they have gone on the deep end, if you will. We're not even talking about uh, the Justice Department trying to uh, enter their appearance uh, into the uh, rape case against Donald Trump, the civil rape case, move it to federal court, and because Donald Trump denied the allegations while he was president, this rape allegation is at least 10-plus years old. They are trying to become the defendant in the rape trial and then get the case dismissed uh, because of the, uh, the, the, the uh, Federal Tort uh, Claim Act, which would disqualify this claim. If that's not imposing yourself as, as the president's lawyer, when he's got personal lawyers who at the state court level have lost, then how, how, how else can you define that he's got the DOJ at his disposal? Uh, hopefully the judiciary will, will deny this claim, if you will, and then deny the removal to federal court. But we better watch that case because if, he, if they're able to do that, uh, then the justice system has been completely and totally corrupted, whether it's the judge or whether it's the prosecutors or, or personal lawyers uh, of, the, um, of, of the victim here. Nobody's talking about that because of these tapes, but this is straight-up gangster move by DOJ. Let's see if it works. But uh, that's awful. That's, and, it, and unlawful, by the way. La last point for our panel on that. We now have a Department of Homeland Security whistleblower who says that they were told not to submit information showing the impact of Russia on this election because they did not, Robert, want to upset Donald Trump and get him mad. And, and beyond that, that same whistleblower stated that uh, Ken Cuccinelli and the Homeland Security Director uh, wanted them to downplay the, the impact of white supremacists, wanted to downplay information they thought would be harmful. What we have seen is that the entire United States federal government, all three branches, uh, uh, everything except for the House of Representatives, has become part of the re-election apparatus for Donald Trump. Uh, you see this by the fact that the uh, Republican convention was at the dang White House on the lawn, which is supposed to be the people's lawn, not a campaign headquarters. Uh, the that you're using the Justice Department as private lawyers for the, um, for the president in his rape case. Mm -hmm. The fact that you have the Department of Homeland Security being used um, to put out political messaging as opposed to the actual uh, health of the nation. So if, if it is this easy for one person to take over our governmental system, if it is this easy for someone to dominate our media landscape, we have to, uh, beyond this election, look back at our checks and balances. Look back at what are the, the, uh, the handrails in place uh, to protect the country from going off the 
the rails because uh, let's say Donald Trump is a benign figure in American politics. The next Donald Trump may not be so benign. The next Donald Trump may be that person to really take us into the uh, realm of authoritarianism and fascism because as we see, there is nothing stopping them at all. You can impeach a president, but as long as they have 51 votes in the United States Senate, uh, then they have nothing to worry about from here till eternity can do whatever they feel like. How many times have we said, this is not constitutional, and Donald Trump still feel, figures out a way to do it? So it, well, that's, it that's, that's, well, so couldn't do it. But that's, that's because, Teresa, yeah. that's because, Teresa, when you talked about, when we talk about what we expected in this country, we actually thought you would have a party who would actually value the Constitution. No, they care about power. The reason Donald Trump mm -hmm. is able to do what he wants to do, the reason that he's right. able to blow up subpoenas and ignore Congress is because Republicans have said, oh, we're not going to stop him or do anything. We're afraid he's going to bash us in a tweet. But also, they don't want to lose the power. That's why I keep telling folks we got to go hard in this election because if you think these thugs and grifters have done this for the last four years, you don't want to imagine four more years, Teresa. Yeah, I, I think this is a, uh, a prerequisite of what the next four years is going to look like if we um, keep Donald Trump as president. And I think it also will be a disgrace to the, for those who do claim, and I have very close friends who are Republicans, but when I'm asking them these questions, it, you know, about your Republican Party, and, you know, they're like, look, we're just trying to get through the first four years and we'll you know, circle back to the next four. And I'm like, but if that's okay, if, if, if the base minimum, right, and losing democracy and almost losing your soul is okay, um, then I, I'm not sure how you can wear the, 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 the stain of I'm a Republican and I'm proud. So a, a, a bunch of these dialogues are happening, and I think people are seeing, but I'm also seeing the most conservative of the conservative Republicans literally saying, you know what, let's get our stuff in as much as we can. But, you know, I, I think the next four years, if Biden wants to come in um, and Kamala Harris administration, uh, I think they're also going to allow that to happen. Well, oh, no, I, I, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you uh, what we are going to see, Scott, is we're going to see if Biden-Harris wins. All of a sudden, Republicans remembering the rule of law, remembering <laughs> ethics, remembering <laughs> subpoenas, and remembering that the debt is real. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Final comment. Go ahead. You know, we, we, we always knew who Donald Trump was, and we promised America who we would be, and he's kept every promise. The reality is it is the enablers that are the real problem in this democracy and our constitution, uh, Roland, uh, we don't talk about that enough. I don't. I don't think we, we do. No, no, we do. Mainstream we doesn't. Do. We do. But getting the Senate back is as important as winning the White House, because without the enablers, without those who approve these unqualified judges, the whole apparatus, the GOP apparatus, and the Donald Trump's America really would not work. And so we cannot forget about all the villains. Uh, and attacks on our democracy by those enablers, those GOP senators, those GOP uh, House of Representatives. And so getting out the vote is super important for the president, but also in eliminating these enablers. We got to get it done. Uh, and on that particular point, folks, I say it again today. Uh, Mitch McConnell moved through. Uh, he moved through uh, one more federal judge. They got four more lined up. Uh, mm. bringing, uh, bringing the number to 207. Mm. Look, this is their strategy, yep. which is also why Donald Trump came out 
announcing his Supreme Court shortlist. He is saying to white conservative, white conservative evangelicals, these are the folks I'm going to let y'all pick uh, for the Supreme Court. That's what this is all about. Don't forget, folks, it is 54 days until Election Day. North Carolina, right. the ballots have already been sent out the folks who requested. So voting is going to be, voting has started if they've received those ballots. And so we need you to, first of all, make sure that you have not been purged. Go to vote.org. Go to vote.org. Uh, pull it up, please. This is important, folks, to check your registration. I have had people text and email me saying that if it wasn't for this show reminding them they would have not known about that. You can also register to vote. You can vote by mail. Uh, you can also set election reminders. You can also fill out your 2020 census form right here as well. And so that's what uh, we need uh, you guys uh, to do. That's uh, critically important. Uh, so uh, Robert, Scott, and Teresa, we certainly thank you. Uh, sorry, folks, we had thank some you. major uh, technical difficulties uh, with uh, our Skype machine to get our guest on. So we had to go to a backup to the backup, uh, but we made it possible. And so I want to thank all of you for being with us. Thank you so very much. Got to go to a thank break. You. When we come back, folks, uh, we will uh, talk about the passing of new Black Panther Party Chairman Hashim Nazinga, uh, as well as uh, we'll have a look back. At the best of Roland Martin Unfiltered, of course, this is in our second anniversary, and so we want to uh, show you all that. That's next, right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Hey, everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered, and while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. I am. Because Roland Martin's the one, he will do it backwards, he will do it on the side. He messes everybody up when he gets into the wobble because he doesn't know how to do it, so he does it backwards. And it messes me up every single time. So I'm working on it. I got it. You got Roland Martin. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mac Wiles, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What up, Lana Well? And you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, so a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Nope. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down the, it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they make these about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. And what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that. But if I wanted to also, unlike other, because if I flip it and turn it over, it actually gives me a different type of texture. And so therefore, it gives me a different look. So there you go. So uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these Shibori pocket squares, we have them in 47 different colors. All you got to do is go to rollinglistmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So it's rollinglistmartin.com forward slash 
pocket squares. All you gotta do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also gotta be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so, that's what we want you to do. And so, it's pretty cool. So if you wanna jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who's a designer, she actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, it goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Brenda Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. As our community comes together to support the fight against racial injustice, I want to take a second to talk about one thing we can do to ensure our voices are heard. Not tomorrow, but now. Have your voices heard in terms of what kind of future we want by taking the 2020 census today at 2020census.gov? Now, folks, let me help you out. The census is a count of everyone living in the country. It happens once every 10 years. It is mandated by the U.S. Constitution. The thing that's important is that the census informs funding, billions of dollars, how they are spent in our communities every single year. I grew up in Clinton Park in Houston, Texas, and we wanted, to, we wanted new parks and roads and a senior citizen center. Well, the census helps inform all of that and where funding goes. It also determines how many seats your state will get in the U.S. House of Representatives. Young black men and young children of color are historically undercounted which means a potential loss of funding of services that helps our community. Folks, we have the power to change that. We have the power to help determine where hundreds of billions in federal funding go each year for the next 10 years. Funding that can impact our community, our neighborhoods, and our families and friends. Folks, responses are 100% confidential and can't be shared with your landlord, law enforcement, or any government agency. So please, take the 2020 census today. Shape your future. Start at 2020census.gov. All right, folks, some sad news. Hashim Nzinga, chief of staff to the new Black Panther uh, Party, uh, has passed away. He was, uh, of course, a uh, longtime member of the Black Panther, uh, new Black Panther Party. I met Hashim, formerly Steve Washington, years ago in Dallas when he was a part of a Black History Study Group. Uh, he later, of course, aligned with Khaled Muhammad, was very uh, close with Khaled Muhammad. Uh, this is, uh, this, go ahead and roll it, guys. Pull it in. This is the video here of uh, when we want News One Now, uh, when he was on the show there. Uh, he, uh, at Cancer, uh, he and I talked uh, on August 5th, uh, and um, he was going to Emory, House, Emory University Hospital the next day uh, to uh, undergo cancer treatment. Uh, and passed away uh, last night. So certainly condolences to his family, as well as members of the new Black Panther Party, uh, Hashim Nzinga. Uh, and uh, man, talk about, uh, uh, like I say, knew him well, covered him, covered the new Black Panthers, covered Kyle Muhammad. Uh, and so um, just had to uh, give you an update on that particular story. Folks, um, we have our tech segment. Our tech segment is every... Um, it's every Wednesday. Uh, and if we actually have that sticker, just go ahead and roll it. Uh, if y'all have it, just go ahead and roll it. And then I'm going to introduce uh, what, I'm gonna what I'm about to talk about. Uh, do we have that? 
All right. So uh, first of all, we want to thank the folks with Seek.com. Uh, they are the sponsor of our technology segment. Uh, don't forget, uh, they have their particular uh, virtual reality headsets right here uh, that you can also get uh, if you go to Seek.com and use the promo code RMVIP2020. And they also have their, I'll leave them right here on the set, these 360-degree uh, uh, 4D headphones you see uh, right here as well. Uh, that uh, is great for music, videos, gaming uh, alike. So uh, again, seek.com, C-E-E-K.com, black-owned company. Uh, you can check that out. So they're the sponsor of our technology segment. So I saw this tweet today. I saw this post today where rapper Boozy, rapper Boozy, he has, um, he's, he's gotten kicked off of Instagram because uh, he kept showing nudity. Now, Instagram warned him uh, back in March, if you keep doing this, we're going to kick you off. Now, uh, he's a little upset because he's gotten a boot uh, and he can't access his millions of, subscri millions of subscribers. And so he said that uh, he needed to speak to Mark Zuckerberg. He said he would give Instagram $100,000 to bring him back to Instagram. So much, uh, let's, let's think about that. Boosie says he would give um, he would give Instagram, Facebook owns Instagram, $100,000 to put him back on the platform because he said, look, without concerts, that's how he was able to generate income with all the different items that he sells, all different products. But I want y'all to think about what I just said. I'm going to give you 100000 to reactivate my account on your platform in order for me to sell to my customers. Why, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because Boosie can actually take that $100,000 and literally develop his own Instagram. I want y'all to stay with me here. I want y'all to stay with me here. Because I, I really need our people to start thinking differently about how we take what is culturally relevant and we literally give it to somebody else and they make billions. Mark Zuckerberg has built Facebook, and he is one of the richest people in the world. Not because Mark Zuckerberg can sing or dance or rap or act. It's because all these content providers are on his platform doing that. So if I was talking to Boosie, and in fact, I, the, you know, Hashim Nzinga uh, has did a lot of work with Boosie. And if Hashim had not died, literally, I saw the story this morning, and the first thing I said was, call Hashim, because he has done a lot of work for Boosie. And so my first thing I said was, I, I would have called Hashim to say, man, get me on the phone with Boosie. Y'all might remember when Boosie had his uh, jewelry stolen in Mississippi. Uh, I had him on News 1-9. We were in Atlanta at the, at the Operation Hope uh, conference, and, and he came on the show. Um, and um, we talked about 
um, uh, what he was going through. And in fact, uh, doing and he went out and told people who's interviewing me. And then, of course, we were doing the interview. And what ended up happening was after the interview, uh, they called him and said, oh, by the way, we found we found your jewelry. And he said, amazing how that happened. But, but I, I just want y'all to consider this. And this is this is the video, my interview with Boosie. Boosie wants to give them $100,000 to put them back on the platform. But what I need is I need us to be thinking totally different about this. We have to be operating right now in a creator state of mind where we are not simply allowing someone else to pay us for our talents and then they own the product. Let me explain that again. The people who follow Boosie, they are going to follow him no matter what platform he goes on. If Boosie decides to go to TikTok, they're going to be on TikTok. If he decides to be on Snapchat, they're going to be on Snapchat. If he decides to create his own thing, they're going to follow. What I need is, I need our people, our people to be thinking totally different about this. I need us to be thinking about, we have all of these, we have folks who follow us, all of these, uh, you know, major following um, in the millions and millions. And so, what do you do with it? On, 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 on Twitter, Boosie has 923,000 followers. Just on Twitter. I don't know his number they had on Instagram, but I know it was in the millions. I'm, try, I'm trying to get somewhere because I think we, we have to completely change our thinking. I think far too many of us are operating in the state of mind where we're sharecroppers. Some of us are well-paid sharecroppers. But see, if somebody is paying me to host a show, I gotta be asking the question, well, how much are you getting paid? Now I know, trust me, I know. Somebody who's watching, I totally understand. Look, you've got, uh, I totally understand. Hey, I got staff, um, I, I've, I've got this, I've got insurance, I've got all, I got all this sort of stuff. Uh, Boosie has 5.9 million likes on Facebook. 5.9 million. So 5.9 million on Facebook, 900, and 900 plus thousand on Twitter, which means that he's sitting at 6.8 million, okay? Now, five, you know, mind y'all, I'm talking about beyond YouTube. So let me go over here. I just want to check. I'm just very curious. So that's, what did I say? That's 6.8 million. 6.8 million. Now if I go to YouTube, go to YouTube, Boosie. I'm just curious about his channel. On YouTube, he has 1.17 million subscribers. That means that Boosie has, between Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, not even counting Instagram, he has 8 million followers. What if Boosie said, I'm going to take that money, I'm going to get, some, I'm going to get me some young people, I'm going to get me some young African Americans who are coding, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to develop my own social media app, which I own and control, 
which will then allow me to be able to do whatever I want to do on there. And let me be real clear. I'm not making an argument uh, for nudity and sex. Here's the deal. If you create it, you can do whatever you want. Because here's the piece. Facebook is Facebook. Pornhub is Pornhub. The reality is both are technology. And guess what? Both are making money. Do you know who actually used Betamax and VHS cassettes and camcorders really before other people? The porn industry. So spare me people's morals views on it. This is about technology and business. And this segment is technology. And when I end the segment, we're going to roll that stinger so y'all get it ready. What I'm trying to get you to get us to understand is we have to be willing to stop seeking checks and become check writers. I'm going to let that sit there for a little bit. I need us to reframe our thinking. And I need us to reframe our thinking in that we should stop seeking checks and become check writers. See, it's real easy to say, well, sure, I can go out there and I can, I can get me an opportunity. I can go work at another network. I can go work at another media company. But that's me working for them. That's me literally taking my talent, going to somewhere else, pouring my talent out into this particular company, and that company now owns all of the content, all of my relationships that I developed. They own all of those things. I was, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody about this. Um, and we don't like to think in these ways, but we got to be honest. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And I was watching the movie Ali the other day. And there's that great opening scene of the movie Ali where there's a setting in the Harlem Square Club in Miami where Sam Cooke recorded his live album. And the Sam Cooke family would not give Michael Mann the rights to use the original song, so they actually had... Uh, somebody, uh, it was it was a redub. But it was, they still had to pay him because they owned the publishing. It got me, I had to tell somebody the other day that, look, you look at the content that we do on this show, because I own this show, and in 50 or 60 years, somebody could be doing a documentary on these moments that we're living in. And they might come across an interview that I've done with Kamala Harris or Joe Biden or somebody else. And they might say, oh, my God, this is awesome. This is amazing. We want to use it. Let's license it. Which means that they will be paying my estate to use video that I created for a project 50 years from now. So if Roland is not here, my beneficiaries will be able to make money off of my 
intellectual property that I have created now. This is what I would hope Abusi understands. That we have to understand that we make Instagram popular. It's not the other way around. Without people watching and following, there is no Instagram. Yet when we look all around here, folks, we look all around and we see Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and we see YouTube and we see all of the, every time you see one of these apps being developed that we as African-Americans, we gravitate to quicker than anybody else. We are America's tastemakers. We are America's, we set the standard. Maybe what we should be doing is again, thinking differently and saying, What if Boosie creates his own Instagram? And what if Boosie goes to 50 other rappers and say, yo man, forget Instagram. Drive all of your people over to this platform that we own and control. Title. Jay-Z owns it. How many of us Subscribe to Apple Music, but not to Tidal. And why? Is it because Apple's easier? Or is it because we think Apple is better? Tidal is black-owned. Let's think about some other technology. See, what I'm trying to get us to do is, I want us to change our way of thinking. This is our second, we've had two years of this show. And the reality is, if I was working somewhere else, I couldn't employ the people I employ who do this show. See, if I was working, if I, if I, see, here, and in fact, somebody, somebody tweeted this. Somebody said, man, it'd be awesome if, 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 if a network would, get, would cr create a show and it was Tiffany Cross and Roland Martin and Jason Johnson and Angela Rye. And I said... I'm not waiting for a network to give me that show. I'm creating my own show. So when you see, when you see this, here you can give me a wide shot. So when you see this show and when you see these cameras and when you see these lights and see, switch to the shot right there. No, no, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. So you see folks, you see the Obama photo. Well, on the other side of that wall is our control room. Uh, and so uh, Henry sits in there, Camila sits in there, Chelsea sits in there, uh, Steven sits in there, we've got two Stevens, Tim, they, they do audio, uh, Atlanta sits in there, Jackie handles booking. That's who does the show. That's who, that's who the back end of the show. If I was working somewhere else, I'm not employing them. I just want y'all, I want y'all to understand that. Go back, go, go back to the shot, Henry. Go back to the shot. This, this, the art piece down here is Leroy Campbell. Leroy did these art pieces down here. What I'm trying to get us to do is to change this. I'm trying to get you to change this, to start saying I need to be a check writer versus 
waiting for somebody to give me a check. There is somebody out there, there's a young African-American, there's a African-American who is in their teens, who in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and their 50s. You have an idea that can work on the technology side. It can work, but you are afraid to actually do it. This is where you can be partnering with somebody else. I remember seeing a commercial about Mary Seek creating virtual reality headsets. And all these people were talking about, oh, how, my God, how, how, how Mary uh, Spiel, how she's just great and wonderful and she's an inventor. But Mary actually said, you know what? Why am I gonna keep making stuff for you and making you more money and you giving me the small check? Mary said, I'm gonna create my own company. If y'all got the graphic, pull it up, please. Seek.com. It's a perfect example. They created their own virtual reality company. And now if you go to the app, you can actually, you pay a fee, I think it's $9.99 a month, different fees, to watch VR content with the headset. You can also, of course, get the headset, listen to music. So what she did is she didn't say, she didn't say, well, I could live great off of your money. She said, I can create my own. Somebody who's watching needed to hear this. Somebody who's watching needed to understand uh, this, needed to listen to this tech talk uh, because we must start thinking differently. That's why we've done this show for two years, folks. That's why I said no to pursuing stuff. And you know what? And let me help y'all out. You can come back to me, Harry. Let me help y'all out. Y'all didn't understand this. I've had three dozen OTT companies reach out to me in the last two years. Three dozen. I've had two networks reach out to me who wanted to do a show. And I said, I'll license you this show, but I won't do a show for you. I'll license you. Why, why did I say that? Because if I license you the show, I still own the content. Bottom line, folks, if we are going to change black America, it is only going to be changed when we own. When we own and when we control, and we control, we then are able to take those resources and spend them where we want to, and we don't have to ask anybody's opinion. That is how we must be thinking and how we must be training our children. I told you the story, this is the last point I'll make. I told you the story. When we were at a Houston Texans game, my nephew Chris, we were waiting uh, in the tunnel for the players. We were with their families. And Wade Phillips was a defensive coordinator for the Texans at the time. And I introduced him to my nephew Christopher and he goes, Christopher, and Christopher was not, not even, Christopher wasn't even four years old. He said, Christopher, what position do you want to play? I said, no, no, no way. Christopher is not being raised to play football. He's been raised to own the team. And that, folks, is how a lot of white kids in America are raised. They're raised to be owners. They're raised to be in control. That's also how we must do it. I'm going to try to reach out to Boosie.
like I say, normally I would have called Hashim, but he's passed away. Uh, Boosie can actually do this himself. And this is an opportunity. So this might be something where he thanks Instagram for cutting him off. Because it gives him the impetus to launch his own. Going to a break. We'll come back with our best of Roller Martin on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, folks, uh, the best of Roland Martin. Y'all might remember this. Remember when I had to drop it like it's hot against Paula White for some crazy stuff that she had to say? She's a big-time Donald Trump supporter. Well, we're going to end the show uh, taking you back. A little flashback to me uh, checking Reverend Paula White. And Paula has, she still hasn't come on my show. Maybe I'll see her another text message and an email. See if she's interested. I'm going to see you guys tomorrow. Hope y'all enjoy this. Holla! What's up, y'all? I got to deal with this here uh, because, uh, Robert, did, did you see or hear uh, the prayer that uh, Paula White gave at the Trump rally the other day? I, I did indeed. Okay, so for the folks out there, uh, I, I'm going to play this for y'all. And, and also, just so y'all know, uh, I did, because uh, you know, I remember last time Paula White did some stuff, uh, <laughs> I, I, I hit her up, I emailed her, she responded, oh, she was taken out of context, uh, and I said, well, you need to come on to the show, she never did. Uh, I texted her this time and also emailed her, she has not responded, uh, but for the folks at home, um, and, and let me let me give the background for a lot of people out there, we're talking about Paula White, who was literally pastoring a black church in Orlando, the Paula White who took over for the previous pastor uh, who passed away. This is the same Paula White mm -hmm. who got her credibility of preaching to black folks, uh, preaching uh, on BET. Uh, and so this was her, y'all, the other night at the Trump rally. Uh, Henry, go to my iPad. Good evening. Are you ready for a great night of victory? I'm going to ask you to do something. As our president often says, and I've had the wonderful privilege of having an 18-year relationship with him and his family, he says, we worship God, not government. So we're going to start out. I'm going to ask you to grab that person's hand next to you, if you don't mind standing up all over this beautiful arena, and just grab that sweaty hand that you've been holding. I believe in the power of unity. And as we begin to make declarations and come to the Father in prayer, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And first and foremost, I give you thanks for our great United States. I give you thanks for our president and for your blessings and your goodness. Your word declares in Psalm chapter 34, verse 1, that I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So we thank you and we bless you, God, for your goodness, 
for your grace, for your mercy. I pray for the spirit of the Lord to rest upon our president and let your favor cause his horn, his power to be exalted according to Psalm chapter 89, verse 17. Lord, your word says in Psalm chapter two, verse one through four, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Father, you have raised President Trump up for such a time as this. You are a God that reveals secrets. So reveal the secret and the deep things to President Trump according to Daniel chapter two, verse 22. Make known unto him the mystery of your will. I declare that skillful and godly wisdom have entered into the heart of our president and knowledge is pleasant to him. Father, we ask you to compass him with men and women and make their heart and ears attentive to godly counsel, to do that which is right in your sight. Now I need you to really go with me here. Let every evil veil of deception of the enemy be removed from people's eyes in the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. For you said in your word, so I'm gonna deal with some principalities now, okay? Cause you said in your word in Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So right now, let every demonic network that has aligned itself against the purpose, against the calling of President Trump, let it be broken, let it be torn down in the name of Jesus. Let the counsel of the wicked be spoiled right now, according to Job chapter 12, verse 17, I declare that President Trump will overcome every strategy from hell and every strategy of the enemy, every strategy, and he will fulfill his calling and his destiny. Destroy and divide their tongues, O Lord, according to Psalm chapter 55, verse 9. Give President Trump strength to bring forth his destiny, according to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 9. Let the secret counsel of wickedness be turned to foolishness right now in Jesus name. And I declare that no weapon formed against him, his family, his calling, his purpose, this council will be able to be formed. Now I declare that you will surround him and protect him from all destruction. Let the angel of the Lord encamp around about him, around his family, according to Psalm chapter 34, verse seven, establish him in righteousness and let oppression be far from him. According to Isaiah 54, 14, I deploy the hand of God to work for him in the name of Jesus. I secure his calling. I secure his purpose. I secure his family and we secure victory in the name which is above every name, the name that has never failed for this nation and for my life, the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Now I'm going to let Robert, Johanna and Greg weigh in in just a moment, <laughs> but let me say a few words first <laughs> since Paul, Pastor Paula White wants to quote scripture.
you should go to Psalm 1-1, where it said, the godly do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I dare say, Pastor Paula White, the wicked is when you are a president who allows people on the border to somehow be sleeping on uh, uh, cement floors. How you would go to court and say, we don't even have to give them toothbrushes. I dare say, if you call yourself a so-called Christian, you would have the decency to treat human beings like human beings. Here's what I also want to know, Pastor Paula White, when Reverend William Barber and other preachers and ministers of the gospel and Jews uh, and uh, Buddhists and others had a prayer walk from, from the uh, church here in New York Presbyterian to the White House, why did this administration lock them out of Lafayette Park? I also want to know, Pastor Paula White, why you as a pastor did not have the courage and the decency to tell Donald Trump why you are afraid to meet with other ministers of the cloth who you might disagree with. See, if you actually have God on your side, if you supposedly have Jesus on your side, then you would not be afraid to meet with other ministers of the gospel. You also said that the evil veil of deception be removed. Please explain to me how you as a pastor defends a man who lies and lies and lies. Please, as a pastor, explain to me how you're supposed to be telling folks to speak truth when you support a man who lies without a doubt who lies about lies every single day. Please tell me how you can talk about uh, 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 every demonic network aligned against Trump. If you're going to pray that thing, then specify that thing. What networks are you talking about, Pastor Paula White? See, what I cannot stand is when you have pastors who pimp God, pastors who have not a a prophetic word, but a partisan word. See, a prophetic word means you ain't afraid to meet with somebody who you disagree with. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., prophetic, had no problem meeting with folks who disagree with. But see, Pastor Paula White, you support a man who will not meet with people who he simply do not like. How do you dare support a man who routinely trashes women and denigrates women, women, children of God? How do you not say a word? You stand in front of a nearly all-white rally in Orlando thundering this particular prayer, saying God is going to cover Trump, saying that God raised Donald Trump up. But see, I got to go to my Bible. I do, I do remember that God said, oh, so y'all want a ruler? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and give y'all a ruler. Hmm. Y'all, I, I remember God saying, I told y'all, you don't need a king. But the people said, no, 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 we want a king. Okay, y'all can have Saul. And then what happened? Lord, they were upset. May, no, no, don't come complain to me. Y'all said y'all wanted a king. See, that's what's really going on here, Pastor Paula White. You are misusing the word in defense of somebody who you know ain't even a real Christian. Hmm. See, I would rather you go ahead and just have some basic decency and respect <clears throat> and say that the reason you support Donald Trump is because he's giving y'all conservative judges because y'all want to overturn Roe v. Wade. Y'all want to overturn same-sex marriage. See, I'd rather have the decency to tell the people that as opposed to cloak yourself in the word and stand there uh, as a pastor and somehow pray that kind of prayer. See, the God that I serve, the Jesus that I bow down to, the one that I pray to, 
knows full well that he would not sit here and uh, accept nor give cover, nor give praise, nor give acceptance to what is happening in 1600 Pennsylvania every single day. There is no way in the world, Pastor Paula White, the God that I know, the Jesus that I know, will say that what happens there is acceptable. I know the God that I know and the Jesus that I know will not allow somebody uh, who would denigrate and desecrate people all the time. I know also, the same God wouldn't be happy if a president has a nerve to send a press release out saying he's going to a church to pray with the victims of a shooting in Virginia and he walks in church with his golf spikes on to accept the prayer just for him and wasn't even good enough to stay for the whole service. Because see, the God I know is a man who's good enough that when he had the shooting in Pittsburgh, the people there said, we don't even want you to come. See, if you actually walked with the Lord, if you actually presented yourself as being somebody who loves the Lord, then synagogues wouldn't be turning you away. Churches wouldn't be turning you away. Mosques wouldn't be turning you away. People of faith wouldn't be turning you away. Because the last I checked, the only kind of person who people of faith turn away is darkness, mm. is evil, mm. are wicked individuals. And so that's going to be a day of reckoning for you, Pastor Paula White. That's going to be a day when you're going to have to answer to who you supported. And that day might come real soon. And see, I ain't talking about just when you got to deal with Jesus and the Lord on this. You're going to have to deal with this with the very people who elevated you. You're going to have to deal with whether or not uh, how you defend the demonic positions of this particular president. You got to defend the demonic positions where you have somebody who chooses to give more wealth to the wealthy and says the hell with the poor. You're going to have to defend Paula White and administration that have the audacity to say we will cut the food that go to the poor. Ex please explain to me what Bible you serve. I'm sorry. I got an iPad, an iPad, an iPhone, and an iPhone. I got the Bible on all four of these devices. Please let me know which one of these Bibles that I can somehow discover to defend somebody who don't care about the poor, somebody who does not care about the hopeless, somebody who does not care about the needy. Please show me the last time this man had any sense of decency or respect to those individuals. I have yet to actually see it, Pastor Paula White. And again, I would love to have a theological conversation with you. I would love to have you to sit here uh, and walk through the text to explain to me how what is happening for this administration is biblical. Because see, I just thought with the whole line. How do you defend a man you say is godly? You said God, this is what you said. You said God raised President Trump up for such a time as this. <laughs> what that means is that you, as a pastor, you are suggesting that God co-signs everything that he has done. Are you willing to tell God that? Are you willing to pray that every single night? Please tell me that. See, Pastor Paula White, I'm more than well, uh, welcome to have you sit in this chair. And I have Reverend William Barber sit in that chair. And I have Reverend Jim Wallace sit in that chair. And I'll open a chair for one of your other friends. I would love for you to come here and discuss this. And let me remind you, you came on radio show WVON in Chicago when you were pushing your book. I had you on the show then. 
You were on the stage at Bishop T.D. Jake's uh, conference. Uh, I was there. See, you, you might remember, I'll pull the video because I shot the video when my wife received one of the awards uh, for her work, uh, for her foundation work. You, you were on stage presenting the award. See, I, I got your cell phone, Pastor Paula White. I got your email. See, so all of, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian author. And so why won't you have the conversation? Why won't you sit down with pastors who disagree with this president and have a real theological conversation? You had one a couple of years ago uh, at Bishop T.D. Jake's leadership conference. Oh, you remember Father Michael Flager was on stage. Father Joshua Dubois, pastor, was on stage. You remember Bishop Harry Jackson was on stage. Bishop Jakes was sitting in the audience. The four of y'all was moderated by April Ryan. Why won't you have that conversation again so we can go over what has taken place in the last two and a half years of Donald Trump's presidencies? See, I, I would love for you to explain to me uh, these actions. I, I, I would love to hear you break down uh, why it's godly to have a president who trashes people. Is that godly? Is that what Jesus died for? Is that what Jesus wanted? I would, I would love for you to explain that to me because I would dare say you can't explain it. I would dare say that your support of Donald Trump is because of his tax policy, not because of his poor policy. I would dare say you support Donald Trump not because of what he does for the needy, what he does for the wealthy. I would dare say that Donald Trump's presidency aligns with your prosperity gospel. And I would say, that ain't got nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That ain't got nothing to do with the poor, the disenfranchised. It has nothing to do with the people who are suffering and who are hurting. What it has to do is with the rich getting richer and the poor getting poor. Every single one of us are going to have to be held to account one day. And you're going to have to be held to account for that prayer for what you preached, and you gave all those scriptures out, and then you said from every strategy from hell. So are you then saying that those who oppose Donald Trump have been planning this from hell? Mm. Are you actually suggesting, by virtue of your prayer, that if you oppose Donald Trump, that you are doing the bidding of the devil? Mm. If you say that every strategy from hell, what you're saying is that if there is somebody who opposes what Donald Trump says and does, that means that they are an imp. They are doing the work of the devil. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that all of these Christian pastors out here, the same ones who opened their church pulpits up to you to preach prior to Donald Trump, are you saying those individuals have been planning things in hell? Are you saying that somehow that they are doing the devil's work against Donald Trump? I didn't say it. You said it. I would love nothing more for you to clarify what you said. There won't be any yelling, won't be any cursing, won't be any of that. We're going to have us a nice Christian conversation. I don't need no help. It could be me and you. You know what? I'll make it easier on you. i do it in your church in Orlando. I will fly to Orlando and I'll bring my cameras with me to have the very conversation. If you are going to stand up as a pastor and give that kind of prayer, then you also need to explain the kind of prayer. 
Because remember, Paula White, last time you told me you got misquoted. Remember the email you sent me? Hmm. You sent an email to me saying that uh, you were out of the country uh, and you had been misquoted uh, when you made those comments uh, on uh, 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 Jim Baker's show. You remember that? Oh, I remember that. See, I, I remember the the, e the email where we went back and forth. And see, I'll pull up in a second. But I really want you to explain this because I really want the pastors out there who support Donald Trump to really defend what he says and does. And I want you to show me biblically where it is so I can be sure that we serve the same God, the same Jesus. Time for altar call. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans... Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that! Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.